Welcome to Walking Dharma Podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify classical spiritual teachings and apply them to modern day living. I'm your host, Kristen Coyle. Today's episode is called The Beauty of Letting Go, and it's focused on breaking down aparigraha. And aparigraha is translated as non-greed or non-covetousness. It's the fifth yama or ethical restraint in the Raja or Royal Yoga Eightfold Path. And aparigraha or non-greed is all about our ability to let go of holding on to stuff and desires and even needing attention from others. The Yoga Sutra says, When non-greed is confirmed, a thorough illumination of the how and why of one's birth comes. When non-greed is confirmed, meaning when we become established in non-greed, when we are able to fully let go of hanging on to our desires, a thorough illumination of the how and why of one's birth comes. Meaning, once we stop needing to know the answers, all of the answers come to us. Once we see the reason behind our desires, once we see through needing anything in particular or striving, then suddenly everything that we've been seeking, everything we think we need, naturally comes to us. And including spiritual knowledge. So this sutra itself touches on the idea of reincarnation in a way, saying you understand the how and why of your birth in this lifetime when you no longer need to hold on to anything. And this is a deep sutra because it's saying when you can really become self-sustaining, meaning you don't need external things to complete you, then suddenly wholeness is a natural state. Because to me, when I think of receiving the answers as to the how and why of my birth, I think of understanding my true life's purpose. And for me at least, I feel that when I'm in alignment and understanding of my life's purpose, and it might change year after year, but when I can align myself with my higher purpose becomes a lot easier to exist, essentially, right? Because if we're always greedy, looking for answers, if we're always asking the question why and how, and we strive to know it, and we search, and maybe we think we know, and we think we're the only right ones about it, and we're the only ones who get to know this, then we're being very greedy with the universal energy. What I mean by that is the more we hold on to specific ideas, the more we cling to our desires and think that we'll only be happy if they can be fulfilled, the more clouded we become. Anytime we are full of desires, we are full of restlessness and longing. And I know for myself, when I'm in a state of longing, I'm in a state of feeling incomplete within myself. And anytime I feel incomplete within myself, I look externally to feel that surrogate 
feeling of fulfillment. So if I have a day where maybe I feel homesick or I miss my family in the Midwest, I might go and try to emulate that experience by driving somewhere on the island that's a little bit chillier and that has a different kind of forest than palm trees. I live on the big island where there's many climatic zones. So sometimes if I feel restless here, I'll feel this need to drive somewhere far away, maybe four hours away, just to get a change of scenery, to fulfill something. But the interesting thing is, is once I'm driving and once I arrive at that place, I don't feel fulfillment. I feel more emptiness. And that's how desires are. The more we chase them, and even the more we fulfill them sometimes, the emptier we actually might feel. Because as long as we are reliant on the external to feel complete within ourselves, we are essentially a victim of our own greed. Because that's really what greed is. Greed is hoarding and coveting experiences, coveting material things, coveting other human beings for the sake of our own fulfillment. But as we know, external fulfillment is fleeting. As soon as we receive it, the next moment it dissipates, it evaporates out of our life and we're left again with ourselves. Another translation of aparigraha is non-covetousness. And non-covetousness feels a little bit more um, on the energetic realm than non-greed. Because whenever we're willing to not covet things, it's like our ability to let go and trust that we're always provided for, right? Like recently, my partner and I moved into a new place and we got rid of a lot of stuff. And we don't have much as it is, but we offloaded more. And as we were packing up stuff to give away, I kept wanting to hold on to things out of nostalgia. Like, oh, I really loved that shirt. I remember I had this experience in this shirt. And then I would hesitate to put it in the box, even though I hadn't worn it for many years. And it took a little bit, not much, but a little bit of willpower to overcome that desire to hang on to the shirt. And the reason I was hanging on to the shirt was twofold. It was that I didn't want to let go of the experience I had when I was wearing that shirt. And I also didn't want to let go of the shirt itself because I thought, well, one day I might need this. And, you know, the more stuff we have, the more enslaved we are. If we have a ton of stuff holding us down, then we have to maintain that stuff, whether it's materially or in relationships. If we feel like we have a relationship we have to maintain, we need to investigate, is it really worth it? Because in my experience, everything that's worth it naturally arrives to me, for me. I don't have to chase it or strive for it or try to put on a good face for it. It just comes. And our ability to let go of material things translates also, obviously, probably, into our ability to let go of holding on to energy holding on to others' energy. For example, I had a big fight on the phone with my new landlady the other day, and it was justified, and I didn't plan on getting triggered at all. I planned on staying really calm, but this woman found my one weak point, 
and it set me off. I got so glaringly angry that I was trembling, and the whites of my eyes were red, and my eye wouldn't stop twitching for like hours after the argument. And at first I came into the house after the argument very distressed. I was holding on to all the fear that was involved with possibly losing our brand new living situation. I was holding on to a lot of resentment that our new living situation was left in a filthy condition that we had to clean. And I was also holding on to my own attachment of being right. So basically I was coveting certain emotional states. And it took my partner to calm me down. And as soon as I was willing to let go of holding on to my own anger at this woman, or what I perceived to be anger at this woman, which was actually anger at myself for not fully investigating the situation before moving in here. But the minute I was willing to let go of it, I felt a sense of peace come over me. You know, I found the soft spot in my heart and I actually began to cry. And I had a deep cry. And in that was the willingness to let go of needing to be right, of needing things to be a certain way, even letting go of my desire to move into a clean house. And our willingness to let go is our willingness to soften around challenging scenarios. It's our willingness to have compassion no matter what, rather than holding on to resentment or stagnant emotions which tie us down just like those old shirts that we're never going to wear again. You know, our ability to release them is our ability to over and over again drop into the present moment and realize in the present moment, really, at the barest essence of things, all is incredibly well. When we really root ourselves into this idea that all is incredibly well, then we begin to let go of our desires. In yoga, desires are not seen as a positive thing. They're called vashanas. And these vashanas or desires bind us to creating more karma by cause and effect. And they also enslave us in the day to day. Because if we tell ourselves, I'm only going to be relaxed and happy when I have $10,000 in the bank, then every day we will wake up without internal peace because we'll be trying to figure out how we're going to get that $10,000 in the bank. It's kind of like little squirrels gathering acorns for the winter. The squirrels don't rest until they have enough acorns to get them through the whole winter. And this is what we call survival, essentially. But many of us have a lot of abundance around us, yet we don't see it. We're, we're greedy. We always want more. We've been conditioned to always need more. If you go to the grocery store and stand in line, all of these tabloids and magazines on the shelf hint at how we need more, how we need to look better, how we need to learn how to cook something better, how we need to find the perfect mate if we don't have that person already. You know, all these magazines play upon that human emotion of not being good enough. And then you come and you get on social media and it's the same thing. People posed in beautiful postures and gorgeous locations and brand new $300 yoga outfits. And if we don't have that, maybe we do yoga in soccer shorts and old bar t-shirts. 
and maybe we will never put our foot behind our head, right? If we feel like we don't meet those expectations, suddenly we become desirous to try to fulfill those images of what we think we need to be, you know, one day in the future. And as long as we hang on to not being okay until one day in the future something happens, we are driven or should I say enslaved by our desires. And this leads to a lot of unhappiness because the more we chase, the further those things go from us sometimes. It's like trying to catch the sunset. No matter how fast you drive, even in an airplane, if you are flying towards the setting sun, you will not catch up with it. You might trail it for a while, but the inevitability that the sun will set before you can catch it is an absolute fact, no matter where you are on this earth or the next paradigm of reality. The more you chase, the less you receive. And chasing after things, experiences, or people is motivated by greed. And greed is motivated by feeling that we do not have enough in this present moment to be happy or at the very least content. A good friend of mine recently said, I'm really grateful and all that, but I'm not satisfied. And that's a totally understandable emotion. I think it comes up for all of us. It's like, I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied. And it comes up for me a lot as well. I really related with that statement my friend made. And I think this idea of a parigraha or non-covetousness is also our ability to let go of needing to be satisfied. So rather than being satisfied, can we be at peace with what is? Even if we know we have a road to walk with the path that we want to achieve, can we, knowing how much work we have to do for our dreams to come true, or at the very least for our bills to be paid, can we still consistently arrive at inner peace? Which really equates to being content with what is. Not resignating, not letting go of our dreams or what we know we need to do for the day to make ends meet and keep going in life. But within our work, within our day-to-day effort of what we need to achieve, can we have an attitude of non-attachment? Can we be willing to work towards goals but not cling to them or chase them or put a timeline on when they need to happen? For me, timelines are a recipe for instant unhappiness. I used to tell myself, I will only teach yoga when I can do a perfect handstand. Only then will I be worthy. And I'm really glad that I called myself out on that as being total nonsense because up till now, 11 years into my yoga teaching offering, I still cannot nail a perfect handstand without a wall or an assist in the middle of the room. And if I would have held myself to that unrealistic desire that I can't teach until I do a perfect handstand, Up till now, I would not be teaching yoga. I would certainly would not be here talking to you all on this podcast. So the beauty of letting go is the beauty to realize that we are enough in the moment. We have enough in the moment. And in this moment, everything we need is provided for. 
And if it is not, then can we, at very least, have a little bit of inner peace over it? Can we find a little bit of acceptance? Because let's face it, part of letting go is to find acceptance for what is. And to me, acceptance is kind of the opposite of greed. Because greed is always chasing, always needing more, always needing to hold on. And acceptance is being grateful and content for what we have. It's not saying that we resign ourselves that, oh, this will always be my reality. Because that wouldn't be very motivating. You know, I've discussed in a previous podcast, one of the early ones, that one of the four noble pursuits, according to the Upanishads, is our artha. Our artha is our profession or our work. And another one of those noble pursuits is kama or pleasure. And desires are certainly driven by pleasure sometimes. Maybe I will desire eating some delicious food. Maybe some Indian food, which is my favorite. It's not wrong to go and fulfill that desire at all. And it's not necessarily wrong to chase desires either because we can learn for ourselves whether that serves us or not. But the idea is, can I be okay with eating Indian food occasionally rather than constantly jonesing for it every single moment? Because if every single moment I'm jonesing to eat Indian food then I'm not going to be satisfied or content with my own home-cooked food, which, no matter how hard I try, never tastes like the Indian food in the restaurant. (laughs) You see what I mean? The more we wrap our mind and our happiness around ideals that may or may not be achievable, the more we feel discontent, the more restless we feel, and as a result, the more unhappy we feel as well. And although life is not all about being happy, happiness definitely adds a sweetness to life that nothing else can really bring except that. And that's worth experiencing. It's actually important for us to experience happiness and contentment and satisfaction because it gives life that feeling of, yes, all of this sometimes perceived suffering is worth it. It's worth being alive. You know, those sweet moments don't happen every single day for most of us. But if we actually align ourselves with gratitude for the moment at hand, we begin to realize every moment is a sweet moment. And so when the Yoga Sutra says when non-greed is confirmed, it's basically saying when we realize every moment is a sweet moment and we no longer need to chase after things in a way that is full of clinging and attachment, then suddenly a thorough elimination of the how and why of one's birth comes, meaning we begin to understand our purpose here on this earth. It's a huge paradox. We often think, oh, I need to write my intentions every day. I need to try really hard to understand why I'm here. And sometimes the more we chase, the further we run from ourselves, the further we get from this Knowledge of why we exist. Knowledge of why we exist is essentially self-knowledge. It's knowledge of the divine within us and our divine purpose here, which we call dharma. Our dharma, it literally means that which holds together. But our dharma is our higher spiritual purpose. And this is another one of the four noble pursuits outlined by the Upanishads. 
So non-greed doesn't mean not to pursue happiness. Non-greed doesn't mean not to pursue pleasure. Non-greed doesn't mean not to pursue the work of our dreams that brings us joy and fulfillment. Non-greed means pursue all that, but don't cling to it for dear life. Don't be too attached to the outcome. Rather, receive whatever outcomes arrive with grace. And if you like the result, great. You leave it at that. If you don't like the result, sit with it, discern, discern what to do, and go from there, from a steady, one-pointed, concentrated place. Because in that way, if we move forward methodically without all of this crazy restlessness and crazy striving for results and striving for attention and validation even from others, or even striving from needing credit from others, if we can move forward without requiring credit or validation, then suddenly we're able to achieve unlimited amounts of whatever it is you want to achieve without all of the suffering that comes along with striving or needing things to be a certain way. It's like me when I had to clean out all the rat poop from underneath my kitchen cabinets when I moved into my new very expensive place to rent. Part of me was really angry and I was holding on to that anger and that feeling of being robbed and that feeling of receiving an injustice. The minute I was willing to let that go, I just humbly cleaned up the rat poop. And I received help from my partner and the caretaker as well. And I softened my heart around the scenario. And sure enough, I just let go of clinging to all the injustice. And I realized, you know what? We have a place to live. Boom. Gratitude. You know what? We have hot running water. Gratitude. It all comes back to gratitude. We have a place to sleep. We have a place to keep our belongings safe. We're not on the street. Gratitude. The opposite of greed is gratitude. And even if we reach for our goals and reach for what we want to call into this life, even if it's a soulmate, we don't have to chase it. We can hold space for that energy to arrive in our life and keep moving forward in a way that we know will hold the best space to call that in. It's like when someone is looking for a partner. Rather than necessarily getting on dating sites and going on a different date with a different person every single night, although no judgment there whatsoever, if you're doing that, I support you in your process. And sometimes we do meet our soulmate that way. But a lot of times it leads to more confusion or it disperses our energy towards actually opening ourselves to our soulmate arriving. So sometimes the best way to discover our soulmate, for example, is to start to set the space for that. Start to cook amazing food that you would only normally cook for two people. Cook it for yourself. Start to maybe only sleep on one side of the bed and hold space that your beloved will be laying on the other side of the bed one day soon. Start to write down for yourself what you're looking for in a partnership. Write down what you're going to bring to the table. And soon enough, without striving, without searching, but simply arriving at your true intentions, that person will arrive. 
And this is like everything in life. The less we strive and the more we just work diligently with an attitude of humility and surrender, the more we receive what we are looking for. This comes in the realm of material things as well. The more generous we are, yet at the same time diligent in our work and responsible perhaps with our finances, the more abundance we have. It just comes to us, especially in the realm of generosity. There are a few homeless people in Hilo who I know, who I have, I wouldn't say befriended, but we know each other. Especially one woman, she pushes a shopping cart all around Hilo. And she has diabetes. Her feet are always swollen. And she was an old devotee of Amma, the hugging saint. She was a yogi years and years ago. And every time I see this woman, whether I have a lot of money or not, I just feel called to give her $10. And so I do. And that's the idea of non-greed. It's not withholding. If I know that I have food to eat tonight and she doesn't. And so knowing that, I'm willing to share my resources. And this is really what we need more in the world from every single one of us is a willingness to share our resources. There are so many people who have so much less than us. It is striking. I read today that if one trillionaire or billionaire were to have their assets liquidated, it could alleviate the suffering of 100,000 people, meaning it would feed, clothe, and house 100,000 people who don't currently have that for one billionaire's assets to be liquidated. Think about the absurdity of this greed. One billionaire, for one billionaire to have gold-plated hot tubs and servants and every meal catered by a private chef and you name it, 100,000 people have to suffer. And we have to question this ethically. Does this feel right? And I think if we're in our heart, if we're in our compassion, and we put ourselves in an empathic place, we put ourselves in those people who are starving or in war zones and don't have clothes and shelter or even safety, we realize that greed is utterly incomprehensible. For those who are taking from others without a conscience and without a heart, their karma will catch up to them. Because for one person to live what we call, quote, the dream, whose dream, not my dream, is it your dream? Who told us this was the dream? To be rich is the dream. And this brainwash mentality that we need to be rich to be happy and to be peaceful keeps us all enslaved to our desires it keeps us numb down from awakening in the here now because if we are always chasing the sunset so to speak we will never find happiness or joy and the amazing thing is happiness and joy is available to us in every single moment if we are willing to drop desires, drop expectation that things need to be a certain way, all of the peace, all of the bliss that we've been searching for, all of the love comes to us. It's already within us. That's the thing. It doesn't actually even have to come to you. It's just that if we are willing to drop expectations, drop clinging, drop coveting, drop hoarding, 
our belief systems, suddenly we receive all that we have been searching for. And it can only authentically come from within. Another person, like a soulmate, may invoke those feelings of extreme love within ourselves. But those feelings of extreme love come from us. They come from the self, that seed of the divine spark within us. So non-greed or aparigraha is a key. It's a key to open what some people would call the kingdom of God. Or what I would like to call spiritual bliss. That's what my teacher Dharma Mitra calls it. Spiritual bliss or union with the divine. Our ability to share love, to share resources, and to be willing to let go of material things and give them to someone who may need them more than us is our ability to be free, naked, in the eyes of the divine. We don't need to be armored by material possessions to be okay. We don't need to be armored by others' approval and others' validation to feel worthy to do what we do in this world. Rather, we just need to accept things the way they are as a ground to stand on. And then what we have the power to change, what we have the power to build upon, we do so with an attitude of graciousness. I get to work today. For example, I get to do massage today. I have two hands and two feet and all the resources and clients I could possibly dream of. Because of this, I get to drink kombucha tonight. It's a gift. Rather than thinking of how I don't want to do massage anymore and how my yoga training school is on hold, yes, I'm aware of those things. And every day I work towards bringing those things to life in my reality more and more. But I also lean into the gratitude of what I have right now. And when I really sit back and reflect on it or even write it all down, it is amazing. I am overwhelmed in the most beautiful way of everything that is available to me and every gift I have in my life, including my loved ones, most importantly. And I invite us all to do this, just to make gratitude lists, to remind ourselves daily or maybe once a week if we don't have a lot of time available, just to remember all of the gifts we have in our life. Because if we keep our greed in check, and if we don't covet ideas, ideals, if we don't covet other people's energy, then we become utterly free. And that freedom is one that no one can give us. We have to give it to ourselves. We have to be okay with who we are as we are before we have a foundation to stand upon to walk our true dharma, our true higher spiritual purpose. When we are willing to be in gratitude and acceptance and abstain for greed, suddenly there's nothing that we can't have. When we let go of desires and stop clinging on to needing their desires to be fulfilled immediately, at the very least, we become one step closer to fulfilling those desires. It is like a total paradox 
because most of us in this lifetime are not going to relinquish desires. But what we can do is lessen their grip on our peace. We can say, all right, these desires exist. Of course, I'm going to work towards fulfilling them. But they don't have to run your entire existence. Imagine if we say, I won't ever be happy until I receive X, Y, and Z. What if we die tomorrow? What will we reflect upon as we are leaving our body? Wow, every day of my life I spent unhappy because I didn't have certain things, and now I can see I had everything I needed to be happy in this moment. It is all available to us if we are willing to get out of the way to let it come through us. And this is the beauty of letting go. Take the leap. The universe always, always has your back. Thank you so much for listening to Walking Dharma. Aloha. Short time, one year, two years, three years, you may reach your enlightenment.